Welcome back. Thank you very much for joining me. My name is Swartik Mayanja, and this is the Mayanja Accredited News Network. Uh, we are on another episode of my Everyday Hero interview series, where I interview someone in your life or someone in my life that makes us smile but does not get the credit they deserve. Uh, today, I am back at Newton North, my high school, and I have the pleasure of interviewing uh, one of, I would say, easily top five favorite, my favorite teachers and definitely most influential teacher I think I've had through my time at New North. Thank you, Mr. Goddard, for coming onto the show. Ain't too sweet to say so. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. There is no justice when so few have so much and so many have so little. Um, so please tell us, who are you, where are you from, and why teaching? So, my name is Peter Goddard. Um, I grew up in Needham, Massachusetts, of, of all places. Um, I think, you know, I, I, was the, I was a child of two teachers. Uh, okay. You know, both my parents were English teachers, so I kind of knew right away what I was getting <laughs> they into. They were both English teachers? They both were, and, I ma and then I married an English teacher. Oh, so. forget about it. <laughs> yeah, so you had no choice. No, I didn't. And uh, but I knew what I was getting into. So, um, but I think you know, for, for me, teaching was something that I wanted to do uh, for many reasons. One, I think it is—it's new every year. Mm. Um, you got to love kids. You know, you got—you got to love talking with people. And for me, teaching high school rather than say K through eight is—I also wanted to engage people in you know more high-level discussions about identity, about language, mm. about literature about how you can live a life and how you can see the world in ways that you might not have if you didn't read these things. Definitely. So that's kind of where I came from that. And, uh, and plus, it's, it's, it's a nice rhythm once you have kids to kind of be on similar schedules in terms of practically. That is super smart. You know, that, that helps a lot. And, uh, and that my wife and I are both on the same schedule kind of. Good for you. I, nice I, I, so I'm a nurse and I also um, feel like when I get to that time of having right. a kid or, or whatever, mm -hmm. um, I feel like being a school nurse would be pretty cool. Yeah, I, I've always wanted to because I, I want the biggest reason. Yeah, the kids. I'm thinking about the kids, but I also wanted to be a coach, which you yes. are as well. Yeah. Okay, so we're gonna get there in a little bit. But back to teaching. Mm -hmm. um, so was any other subject ever a possibility, yes. or was it always English? No, history was definitely a possibility. Okay. Actually, my first teaching job was actually history oh, at, at Noble and Greeno School. I need is that in math? Oh yeah, it's okay. in debt in private school. I needed a job in two weeks. <laughs> you know, it was two weeks before school started, and so I taught uh, history at Noble and Greeno. Uh, it's a private school in Dedham. Uh, I'm not a private school kind of guy, but I will say the blessing was I met my future wife there. So I'll, I'll say that was that was good. But yeah, I, I taught history, so I taught ancient cultures and U.S. history. Okay. And every once in a while, I used to teach many summers at MIT Wellesley Upward Bound. Mm. Uh, and all, all those kids pretty much go to Cambridge and Latin. And I would teach history for them every once in a while. So we always did a world history course, a U.S. history course, and a black history course. So I think history or political science would have been pretty good something for yeah, me because there is a political yeah. there's a political science class here at north right but well you know, it's comparative government oh yes which i think probably could count as something like that mm. uh, yeah, yeah um so and then you said high school do you have a favorite grade in high school 10 through 12. 10 through 12. i stay away from them freshmen <laughs> <laughs> 
too close to middle school. Okay. You know, they're, they're not really nice to each other in, in ways that I think, not that everyone's nice to each other all the time, but, you yes. know, they still got that junior high ick going. Yes, you definitely. Know, still haven't figured out the deodorant thing yet, you know. <laughs> It's all there. Yeah, good memories. <laughs> that's good memories. Right. <laughs> um, so, okay. So now we know why you're a teacher and mm -hmm. why English. Uh, so why Newton? So interestingly enough, so when, when I met, so I met Tasha right out of college. That's my wife's name, Natasha. Mm -hmm. So I met Tasha right out of college. And we talked about that a lot. My, my wife is, is a black teacher. And we kind of talked about who, where do you want to teach, you know? Yeah. And for us, we thought, you know, do you do the urban thing? And there's part of part of us were saying like, yes, we need teachers. Now, not that we're full of ourselves, but you know, that you, we need good <laughs> teachers, you know, in schools like that. Of course. Um, at the same time, though, you know, I think for me, it was important to be in a, in a school system that had at least some diversity. Newton gives himself a little bit too much credit. A little too much. You know? But much. but yeah, but in <laughs> terms enough. of in terms it's of so suburban diversity, it's 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 true. Yes. You know. But it's not like Cambridge and Latin. You know? If you look at that, that's diversity. But anyway, the whole point is that you know white kids need to see a white person. I think saying some of the things that I say, okay. and I think uh, and and believing the things that I believe, and I think that that's something that's very important uh, for kids to be able to see. Now, I also the thing that's tough about the urban situation is that as wonderful as, as you needed, the grind of dealing with the adults in that building mm. can be tough. And so there's a burnout factor that happens in a lot of urban schools that's, okay. that's not great. And uh, that's kind of something that she and I both thought about. Now for her, uh, she grew up uh, She grew up a lot of places, but she claims Newark, okay. right? Newark, New Jersey. Yes. And when she went to a school called Kent Place, which through the ABC program, a Better Chance program, she never had a black uh, black teacher and oh, so wow. what she kind of thought to herself is like let me be in a suburban district so i can be the one black teacher <laughs> <laughs> Same thing. so so maybe some of these kids can be like well at least i have mrs goddard exactly you know and so you know there's that as well so we're going to get to some of these things because you said a, a, a white teacher saying you need these white kids need a white right. teacher to say oh yes thank ah! you. i forgot i forgot this was even on Okay. No problem. Right. So you said you need a white teacher to say these things, and we're going to get there because mm. we're going to talk about leadership. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but uh, so, do you have a? Uh, I don't want to say because make it plain. Yeah, philosophy. I, do you yes. have like a you know a arching yes. thing that you follow as a teacher? And this is something that I don't think enough teachers do is to create an overarching philosophy. Wonderful. So, I came pretty early in my teaching to think that okay, my job as an English teacher is to get kids to love language and to be good at using it. But they want to love it first. <laughs> yes. So that takes a lot of the kind of Minnie Mouse, you know, Mickey Mouse kind of stuff mm. out of teaching, busy work out of teaching. I just want them to love it. <laughs> and or at least like it. Yes. And you know that so joy is the center of the room. Okay. That's what I'm trying to get all the time. Now that also infuses what I believe in terms of my social justice education as well. Of course, is that you know that that this is something that is a move towards love. That this is, kids need to know that they're loved in the room, and that's got to be the first thing. Awesome. Not that they understand what a uh, what topic sentences are. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know stuff like that. And like you know, like yeah, that that's important, but really. 
literature is a way for you to view the world, is a way for you to move through the world. And that's what I believe about hip hop too. And that's why you know, I told you guys at the of end, course. I said, thank you for letting me preach to you all year. You didn't know this, but I've been preaching at you all year. You know, <laughs> you know? And I think that that's the, so that's my overarching philosophy is that the kids are loving that there's joy in the room. In terms of the social justice piece is for yeah. them to understand that there is a social universe out there mm. and to know how it works. Um, Outside of the high school. And even within it, mm, you know, okay. because because both the, the high school is both not of it, but of it. Yes. You know, we'll go to scripture later. But, that, <laughs> but I think, you know, but that's the whole thing is that this idea that um, that people need to, you know, the physical universe is something that we teach in the school. But we also go to understand the social universe. Yes. And I think to know how that works in a way uh, is empowering for kids. And some people say, well, you're teaching them what, what, you know, how to think. I mean, what to think. I said, no, I'm teaching them how to think, there you go. which is different. And if they come to conclusions and they come to conclusions, I can't make people think something. I can just present something and hope they say yes. Yes. And, uh, but I think, you know, we have so many people walking around not knowing how the world works. That's it's very, and, very, 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 right. you're right, 100%. Right. And that ties a lot into the culture of your classroom and yeah. the way you discipline, which I always thought was just amazing. And just a quick example, uh, when we were in hip hop class, okay. he had this thing, He I don't know if it was for every class or just a hip hop class, but he had this thing where if you were standing in the back of the room yeah. and if you threw a paper ball and it got into the bin, in the beginning of the class, it doesn't yeah. matter if it was the midterm, it doesn't matter <laughs> if it was the first day of class, if you got it in, you would not have class that That's day. Right. And he kept his word. You kept your word, Mr. I did. Goddard. I did. And that was, it was just amazing. I remember it like it was yesterday. It was Alessandro Leone sitting back there. Oh, that's took right. Took a step back, threw it, hit it. He sure No did. class. Yep, he sure it was, did. It was a great he? day. God, that was a good day. It was a good day. And yep. then you also took us downstairs to watch um, a basketball game from the... That's um, right. Yeah. It's just pilot like... Program, the, yeah. Yeah, the, the pilot program. The culture mm -hmm. of your class was always... Like student first, like yeah. this is about you. It's not about the actual words. And like, yeah, yeah. this is gonna help you move yeah. forward. But mm. loved it. Okay. So you mentioned hip hop. Yeah, you mentioned hip hop. I did. So how did you, Mr. Goddard, a yeah. white man from Needham, That's get right. so in love with hip hop? Well, there's a story there. No. <laughs> <laughs> so let's see. I was born in '74. So um, hip hop was probably first heard when Run DMC got big. Probably around, they came out in 83, but it really didn't get to need them until probably Walked This Way, you okay. know, the, with the joint with Aerosmith. And mm -hmm. that's where hip hop really blew up nationally in a way that it hadn't before. And so I liked that. But it was really in 86 when I heard the song South Bronx by Boogie Down Productions. And I thought to myself, oh my, like, there's everything that I want to listen to in this music. You know, there's language, mm -hmm. there's rhythm, there's force. Uh, there, there's a drive to it yes. that definitely uh, influences um, my inner self, and I want. And, and it was teaching me, you know. And and really? I think, oh yeah, you know. And especially from '86 to about '91, you had so much of it was that kind of edutainment kind of rhyme where you know you learn stuff about oh, definitely. the world around you. Like definitely. you know, Karis One is telling me Black history through verse. You know, um, Public Enemy is telling me how power works. 
X clan is telling me, you know, what else uh, can be a possibility for me, that's right? Amazing. Yeah. yeah I so, mean, when you say it like that, right. well, obviously that's what he was. And Lati you know, Latifa, you know, I have some kids who didn't know Latifa was an MC. That's a whole, that's a whole <laughs> other conversation. But the oh, but no. the issue for me is that because of where I was, and even if I were in Boston, because mm. Boston was not a great place for hip hop mm. uh, in in these times, I had to go find it. There was okay. no internet. You know, <laughs> there was no internet. You couldn't, you know, you couldn't rip stuff online. Uh, Yo MTV Raps hadn't emerged yet. Um, there was college radio, WERS. Thank God for you know WERS and Emerson College. There was college radio, but you had to really go find it. So that's when I started going into the city, and I learned at a young. So I'm starting around 12, 13. I learned how to be kind of the only white person in a space early on. So I think that that's really, and then for me, I just kept, I kept going. Now, I knew as a white person that, especially back then, um, all, all the way through college, I knew that I was going to have to have something to prove. I didn't go in there and think to myself, well, yes, everyone should adjust to me. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I had to, and I knew that that was part of my reality because I knew that I had a symbolic presence uh -huh. once I walked in. First of all, everyone thought, especially when I was in college, that I was a cop. So there's that. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, if, my God. If the white okay. guys show up, he's got to be an undercover cop. <laughs> like, you know, so, so there's that. Okay. You know? Yes. So you had to disprove that first, mm. you know? Um, but once, you know, one of the love, lovely things about hip-hop, and I think culture in general, but particularly hip-hop, is that if they see that you come with it with authenticity and integrity, you're brought so, so how did you, so when you were in college throughout this time, when mm -hmm. you had to, you know, prove yourself, what right. was your definition? How did you prove that authenticity? How did you? Well, first, I, I wasn't dissuaded first by the looks. Okay. So, which, which is actually really tough to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. That's a very tough thing to do. Right. They look at you like, you know, what the fuck are you doing here? Exactly. You know, there's kind of, you know that they're, either they say it or they're, it's in their body language. Yes. And you just try to keep it positive, keep it all love. I'm spreading, you know, I'm here to spread love. I'm here to listen to the beats. I love this. And then when we start talking, which eventually will occur. Of course. Then they'll see like, okay, you know what you're talking about. I'm like, okay, you know, that's something. So now you're okay now. But, and then, then it kind of spreads around. Then it spreads around. So if someone else sees me like, well, what's he doing? Like, I'm not actually, I talked to him. Of course. You know, so. Yes. You know, so then, so are you one of those, because you, you teach hip hop. This is something you actually yeah. do, which actually, I have to say. I still can't I, believe they let me do it. It's awesome. Uh, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> it's a hip hop class at Newton. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, I'm very happy I took that class. I don't know me if you too. saw the a Netflix show. The Get Down? The Get Down. Yeah, oh my goodness. When I, was, I could not stop thinking part about hip-hop. Part two is April 7th. You hear that? Okay. It's coming out. You better watch That's it. Right. It was the greatest thing. Everything that was happening, I'm like, I know this. Yeah. I know. It was just, I'm, I was very happy yeah. watching that show. Um, but current day hip-hop. Are mm -hmm. you one of those old hip-hop heads that say, oh, this is trash. I know. I know. Oh my goodness. So, Zwartik. Yes. I'm, I'm, God is not through with me yet. Okay, and I'm and I'm I'm working on it. And I think I've really come some strides in the last three years or so. I used to be so old fogeyish. Okay. I really did, and I still have that in me. Of course. So like this mumble stuff. Oh my god. You know, <laughs> I'm I'm trying though, and I can see how it's alluring though. I mean, it's catchy. It sure is. You know, so our oldest son Brian, he's gonna be 28 soon mm -hmm. you know he's putting me on like you know amigos and yes. like all them and you know and uh, as much as i'm not gonna blast it i see i can see it yeah for what it is now i still need lyrics 
Which is fair. Yeah, that's, that's, not, that's not a hard thing to ask from rap. Right. You know what I, I mean? I still need lyrics. And, yeah. and I think, you know, but I, I've, I've come around on, remember, I think it was last year, okay. when Lil Yachty was famously on the, I think, uh, Ebro in the Morning, whatever mm-hmm. that show is. And he said, like, don't be, don't be playing that old stuff. And he, <laughs> he couldn't rhyme over a premiere beat. Right. Oh my God. And then he said there was another interview where he said I couldn't name any song by Tupac or or something like that. Right. Now, my sense of history says that's bad. Yes. But at the same time, I'm like, you know, does he really need to know that to make the music he's making? And really, maybe not. And, And and if people like it, who cares? Like, who am I? You know. But I think that's him looking at hip hop as strictly music and not a culture. And that's where, that's where I can't. So for me, it's like, you know, Kendrick, J. Cole, Gene Gray. Okay, you know, on. these are the people that I can get with who are current. Not a lot of people probably know about Gene Gray. I don't know Gene yeah, Gray. Yeah, female yeah. MC. That's why you don't know about it, because <laughs> of the sexism in the biz. But that's a whole other thing. Yes, it is. But I mean, those are the guys that I can get with. Um, you know, I appreciate that Drake exists, but I don't like it. You don't really. like him? Not really, but I appreciate that he's there and that he talks about vulnerability. I think you need to stop singing. Um, <laughs> you know, but, but that's just, that's okay. He's trying to make rap inclusive. Yes, and that's why I appreciate him. Awesome. Right. That's good. But I, do I appreciate think... Jane Austen, but I don't like reading Jane Austen novels either. Oh, so good. that's, okay. There so, you go. <laughs> um, you, uh, so you mentioned the fact that there's a difference between hip hop being just music and hip hop right. being a culture. And I actually like very much that you said that because. Um, this would segue very well into leadership. Okay. Hip-hop, the culture. Mm-hmm. Um, very well known for being misogynistic. Absolutely. Sexist. Um, talks about drugs quite a bit. Yep. Killings, shootings. Yep. Um, just the fact that you're white and it was hard yeah. for you to get into the culture. Right. Uh, explain. How do you you know, put yourself, I love hip-hop, I'm part of the hip-hop right. culture, and live with all of that? Chris Rock had a great thing about tired of defending hip hop, mm. and th- this was like a long time ago. This is when uh, Ludacris's song, you know, "Move" was was, <laughs> was big. Well, as you can see, there's a bitch in his way. You, know, like, <laughs> you, you can't really explain it. How he said there was a time when I could explain how Houdini was art, how Gangstar was art. You know, and it's yeah. hard. It is harder now. Exactly. If you um, the third part of the chorus in hip hop is cultural critique, and we kind of look at how the business affects the output mm. and uh, there are some who argue that once the major labels bought up all the independent labels uh, that that's when you saw the strictly misogynist the strictly violent uh, the violent black urban male is an old old image it's been around since uh, since slavery was over Jeez. you know and yeah. so there are some people who believe that MCs are kind of participating in their own oppression by putting forth this whole violent menacing I'm gonna shoot you and kill your mother type yeah. stuff, right? But um, some argue that when, like I said, like around the mid '90s, uh, when hip hop was seen as a huge, huge money maker, mm. that Americans liked that image <laughs> <laughs> of the violent black urban male. We're gonna sell it and sell it and sell it. And I feel like, for me, just as an observer, this is not anything uh, scientific; it's more anecdotal. But around, you know, '98 to like. 04 or 05 to me I thought hip hop was going to die because it was just really because it was just all the same stuff it was all 50 cent that whole like it yeah. was all booty shaking you know there was no more b-boying you know graffiti been gone you, you know I mean it was like all that 
stuff was, uh, there was no sense of a culture. It was just so hedonistic. Yeah, of course. And so I thought, well, this is it. We're dead. And then I don't know who saved it. But, Drake. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't. Touche. All right. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, but right, right. If, if, like, if I'm just going to look at it from like a populist point, point of view, right. I think Kendrick, Kanye, I mean, Kanye did something. Ka- Kanye did some amazing. Just... Common kept it going. The Roots kept it going. Mm. But you're right, Kanye. You Kanye know. came through and he just, okay. Before he went nuts. Oh, before he right, went okay. nuts. Now, now we're just serrating him back. Please, please, please. <laughs> right, um, right. So, uh, um, leadership. Because mm, sorry, all that yeah. stuff I just talked about. Right. Um, the misogynistic, the, mm-hmm. you know, the racism, all that stuff. Right. To, it's in leadership. I took leadership. Leadership is easily, mm-hmm. by far, the one class that has... You know, you go you go to school, you take history, yeah. you forget about history the day you leave high school. Leadership, yeah. everything I learned in that class, and literally everything, yeah, from, from day one till the end, yeah. I take it with me yeah. every single yeah. day. Yeah. What is leadership, and why do you think it's super important? So leadership is short for leadership in a diverse society, and the, do you want me to tell the history of the course? Or? Please, okay, tell, okay. tell everything about the okay. course. <laughs> so it started actually back in the 80s, uh, when uh, I believe in 85 or 86, there was a big kind of racial incident mm. uh, where a bunch of uh, white Italian kids from both the lake and, and um, Waltham surrounded a Boston bus uh, because I think, you know, one... One guy had gotten to something, you know, they, some all verbal yeah. altercation to turn physical. Um, they took all the black kids in the school. They threw them into the little theater for protection. Uh, the current mayor of Newton was actually a student uh, when this happened, said he warned. And uh, then they, they figured out, well, what the hell are we going to do? We just had this horrible situation. So we had, there were speak outs <laughs> and there mm-hmm. were this and that. And then they started a retreat. So if you remember the retreat, okay. So they started doing retreats. So they started taking student leaders, um, putting them on Thompson Island for a night and kind of hashing stuff out. There was no class. It was just the retreat. Mm -hmm. And that was good, but it was a one-time thing. Yeah. Then in 95, I believe, another racial incident occurred. And this was pretty much, I guess, the best way to describe it would be a, a melee on Main Street, uh, like, you know, 30, 30 people involved. You're talking about Main Street High School? In, like, in high school? Yeah, no, or no, like, no, Main Street. Were you ever in the old building? Of course, yeah, the old high school. Yeah, so that big... The main, yeah, that's that what big, I'm just trying like to a, let people oh, know. Yeah, it's thing. not outside. Right. It was in the high school. <laughs> so there was this basically almost quarter-mile length of hallway that was kind of like the public square yeah. of the high school. Yes. And you can imagine, I mean, 30 people fighting that's on that. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. So 30, you know, prep. Teacher ended up going to the hospital trying to break stuff up. Are you serious? Yeah. And then, uh, so then what happened is they said, okay, <laughs> these one-off retreats are clearly not enough. Uh, we need a class. So they started, they, they formed a class and they called it Leadership 2000. A woman named Miss Blaze was the first teacher of that class. And a woman named Miss Dover, mm-hmm. who was the head for the Office of Human and Civil Rights, would sit in the back, right? So Miss Blaze, white female teacher, um, heart in the right place, all that good stuff. And I think they had a class of about 25. Okay. They wanted feedback at the end. And they said, okay, Ms. Blaze, we love you. You're wonderful. But there's just some shit you don't get because of who you are. And it's not your fault. Exactly. It's just the way it is. So let's make this kind of thing. Let's make the class bigger. Mm. Let's have two teachers. And here are the stipulations. At the time, this is the stipulations. One white, one of color, male, female, and ideally, someone who's kind of a, a more rookieish teacher okay. and someone who's been here for a while. Yes. So that you kind of have youth and a, a more seasoned person, mm. right? 
they didn't get into different orientations. Uh, that right now that was the kind of routine. Yeah. So a woman named so then Miss Dover and a guy named Mr. Keegan who's no longer here. They taught it for about three years. And then they gave it to Miss Leong and me for our first go around. Mm. And then we taught it for four. And then Miss Dover came back. Miss Leong went back to English. And then Miss Dover and I taught it for a while. And now it's Leong and me like you had. Miss Leong. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been teaching it, I think, for 18 out of my 19 years, maybe 17 out of my 19 years. And I think what's important about the class is that staff nominate who the kids are. And then a committee uh, with as many teachers of different um, departments as possible and the two deans they're mm. now called deans now they're not house managers. I, okay. I, I heard so the two, <laughs> so, so the, two, the, the two deans of the junior and senior class because you want to have juniors and seniors our aim is to have a class of about 50 to 55 low double digit juniors mm. that's kind of what we want and then the rest seniors and they these are kids who are leaders of athletic teams the 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 theater the newspaper um, you want even kids with charisma who are kind of, you know, maybe the, the leaders of the, you know, the fuck ups. I mean, you, you want everybody you in do. there. You really you know? do. And it's usually the most diverse class a kid walks in there has ever had. Um, At Newton, in Newton, hands down, right. by far. So we go for racial representation. We go for even geographical, you know, like what parts of Newton are they um, from? Oh, I yeah. never knew that. Yeah. Oh, look, yeah. look. Yeah. They, they got everything. They got everything. That That is tougher to do, but yeah. um, we do that. But And then also have a gender balance and, mm. you know, we try to look for representation. So it's supposed to represent a, a cross-section of the school, one-stop shopping. The principal is supposed to have a very close relationship with the class. Depending on who the principal is, that's better some years than yes. others. And... Um, you know, it, it's a place that if you want to get a temperature of the school, you can go there. Definitely. About any topic, not just racial or, or ethnic stuff, but like, you know, parking. Exactly. You know, like, I mean, like, you know, stuff about that. So th that class, I just, I really, I truly enjoyed that class. Yeah. Uh, and the reason I say he's um, one of the most influential teachers I've had is because he taught that class. Mm -hmm. And it is by far my favorite class mm -hmm. I've ever taken. Oh. Um, but... So you, you said it started because of the race thing with the bus, and then the t it changed into a class because of race thing on Main right. Street. Is it just race in no. leadership? So we begin by doing bonding first. So mm -hmm. we have to know each other before we can trust each other to have these conversations. Then we go into different styles of leadership. Yes. So you're able to kind of pick out what kind of leader you think you are, mm -hmm. uh, you know, for each kid. And they th we think about qualities they think they have, qualities they wish they had. You know, like, those can be tough conversations, the ones you wish Definitely. you had. And um, so it's more internal looking that way. Then they have to present uh, on a leader of their choosing to the class that they love. Uh, and then we go into the whole dominant, non-dominant education. Yes. And that's when we, we introduce the idea of talking about left hand, right hand. And, you know, that, that's a whole other thing. And then you would go into like the concept of race. Then we would do all the different racial identities. So black identity, Asian American identity, Latino identity, which is technically not a racial group, but we do it because they've been racialized. Yes multiracial identity, white identity. And usually the kids are like, we're doing white identity. It's I like, know. yeah. I said, it, it's a particular <laughs> identity, just, <laughs> just like anybody else, all right? And then we do gender, yes. sexual orientation, economic class. We always keep economic class for last because that is actually the hardest one for kids to talk about. And I... I, People don't like talking about money. No, but no, <laughs> yeah. no one likes talking about money. And this is That's Newton, right. and every, you know Newton's a very wealthy place. Yeah. And still, no, we do not like talking no. about money. And I think 
not I don't want to say a critique, but something I wish we did more. That's all right. I wish we did talk a lot more yeah. about money just yeah. because as soon as you leave high school, it becomes your everything. And not only that, it's like there's a film we show, I don't know if you remember the film called People Like Us, and there's mm. a point the guy makes is that the last time that all these people in different economic classes are together is in high school. Yes. Once you join the adult world, forget it. You don't see you, these folks. You don't. And uh, the thing that always gets people talking first when they're hesitant is I start asking about lunch. <laughs> yes. Where yes. we go for lunch. Exactly. <laughs> where, where do you eat your lunch? Free lunch? Yeah. Reduced lunch? Or like, oh, we'll go to cook. You know, <laughs> let's go to cook for lunch. You're like, ah. ah let's not. <laughs> yeah, There's a dollar slice pizza right next to cook. <laughs> right. we, we can do that. We can do that. That's um, right. But yeah, no, leadership was uh, just uh, amazing. And that retreat with the zip lining, oh, forget oh, about yeah. it. The amount of a bonding, you know, you have yeah. Mumbury, who's on the podcast, who I did a recent um, show with, please check it out. Yeah. He was also in that class. And up until senior year, me and Mumbury were pals. Yeah. But after that class, best friends. Oh, and we're best friends today. Oh, that's good. It, it, I'm, I'm telling you, that class, you, you, you get oh, a lot of good. stuff off your chest. Mm -hmm. And as a high school student, it's kind of amazing. Yeah. It's kind no. of amazing. But, Mr. Goddard, I have to say, Go ahead. something that I really don't like about that class Go ahead. is now I can't be a human being without asking myself what kind of bias is, um, <laughs> what's going on with me. Can't just live. I can't just <laughs> I live. When I lived in Newton, I never locked right. my car doors. I moved out of Newton. Yeah. I lock it all the time. Every time right. I lock my door, I'm like, why am I doing this? Is it because I don't like him? Is it because this? And I'm like, Jesus, Lord mercy, I'm just locking my car door. I have to say, there's nothing wrong with locking your car door, all right? <laughs> uh, all, even in Newton, you know, first of all, there are junkies everywhere. Yes, they okay. Are. Yes. And so, like, people say, "Oh, I, I, the stuff was stolen in my car." Like, did you leave it? Did you leave it unlocked? Yes, I did. Like, well, uh, well, okay. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Exactly. So, um, but with that being said, because there's a million things we could talk about, yeah. um, but there's two things I really want to touch on. Sure. Um, one of my favorite activities is when we went into onto the computer room and we did the bias oh, yeah. bias thing the and implicit bias implicit test. bias yeah. test. And when we went outside. At the end oh, of the leadership, yeah. my freaking that was yeah. that was hot. Like in the beginning, it was all fun and games. By the yeah. end of that activity, that's tough. It was yeah. rough. Yeah. So explain the second activity. Actually, explain both. But okay. what I'm trying to find out is real practical advice or suggestions to people who sure. want to find out their inherent implicit biases. So first of all, we all have them. <laughs> Thank you. I have them, you know. And when we do, if you've ever seen this, you can look on, I think if you Google harvard.edu slash slash implicit, I think you can get to the to the test. They have a lot of different ones. There's yes. ones on race. There's ones on religion. There's one on anti-Muslim ideas. There's the idea, there's like even like obesity versus thin. Oh, yeah. they, they got all kinds of them. And uh, what we tell them every year and... It doesn't work, but we tell we tell them every year. Look, this is not a find the racist test. We said like if you get what you think is a bad score, you're not joining the clan tomorrow. All right, like you know, you know like this, this is not. We're not saying that you are you know a racist pig. All yes. right, but it doesn't matter. It does not. So matter. what it is is that, you know it basically gets you to what it tries to measure is how fast or slow mm -hmm. your brain takes in kind of equating. Um, blackness with bad and whiteness with good or yes. vice versa yes. and so the fact and, and all it is is that you associate words together like exactly. lightning and thunder we associate those together 
we don't associate lightning and Wonder Bread. No, we don't. No, we don't. So you would think you would have to think a little quicker. I to, mean, longer. Yeah. To put those together. And so what it's saying is that what the test is really trying to show you is how the society we've lived in has conditioned you. Exactly. And you can look around and like some people might be so-called more resistant to that conditioning, mm -hmm. but that is only through training. So even if you have these biases, you can work on them. You can work on them. Yes, you can. You know, and uh, you know, I mean, in our house, I would say we probably, you know, no diss to anyone watching this, but we probably have some biases against white girls. Oh really? Oh yeah. That's that's some real that's some real self awareness. Well, right. good for you. Right. Hey, that okay. that and Asian drivers. You know, like, like those like those are the things, and we try to work on it. Miss Leon, he said it. <laughs> he said right. it. Um, but that's but we have to work on it. You know, definitely. and and that's something that I, I I work on all the time. And I think to be able to admit it is you know it's like, the hugest step. Like it's all like things. exact it's the it's the biggest barrier because right. if you admit it then it's a downhill. It's it's all downhill from there. Cuz like so it's it's out there, it's out there, yeah, right? It's out there. Um but the other the other activity so we the, other do, one, the bootstraps. Well, I will say we've added a, a shooter one now to that implicit bias. This is tough. Like oh, basically no. they'll have like a uh There'll, there'll be a uh, like a landscape or yeah. like a, of a cityscape or something, and then there'll, there'll be like a white guy or a black guy shows up and they got something in their hand, and oh, you're a cop. Oh goodness gracious, yeah. that's a good one. Yeah, so there's there's that one too. I might have to do that tonight. <laughs> <laughs> how many brothers? Are so, yeah, I know. How many people are you shooting that have candy bars? Exactly. You know? So anyway, but then the, the bootstraps activity is the idea that you know we get them all out there and we get them. We hope we always wish to do it on the football field, but yeah. we don't always get it. Mm -hmm. But let's pretend we're there. We all, we, everyone lines up on the 50-yard line, and we say, okay, that touchdown down there represents all the success and all the happiness and the joy that you want in your life, okay? So then we get everyone ready, and they think they're really going to race, exactly. right? And I go, okay, ready, set, and then I'm about to say, going to the, but before we say go, we gotta, <laughs> and everyone's all upset, we got to ask some questions. And depending yes. on how you answer the questions, you either take a step up or a step back. And because it's at the end of the year, mm. they've heard all this exactly. stuff, but they haven't seen how it really plays out. No, you yeah, that's the thing. So there are, th and we have something like eighty-five different questions. Sometimes we don't use them all. Sometimes mm. we do use them all. But we try to make things that are societal and also questions related to the school. Yes. Okay. So, for example, we'll say. Um, you know, if you are a male, step forward. If you're female, step back. If you're of color, step back. If you're white, step forward. You know, take a step forward for every grandparent you know who finished college. Um, take a, or finished high school. Yes. Take a step forward for each of your parents that finished college. And so here are these things that kids, even with all this stuff we've done all year, don't think matter, I, I, but they do. And, um, you know, like for example, if, if you've been called in, you know, like a, a religious slur, exactly. you know, take a step back. If you're Christian, take two steps forward, but if you're Catholic, take one step back, mm. you know, so you mm. kind of have all these different things. Then even for the school, um, you're in the old building, so we would say if you hung out in the purple lockers, take a step forward, because that was kind of the popular crowd that yeah. teachers would frankly believe more than other folks. Like for here, it would probably say, uh, if you hang out at the view. Exactly. Take a step forward, you know. By the way, your your bricks idea never never caught it on. It never caught on. I I tried. I tried. In the old school, there was the steps, and it was me and Mumbari. We said, "Let's start the bricks." It didn't. It never worked. Never worked. It was but, like five of us, right. max. So then, what you find out yes. by the time you say, by the time we finish all the questions, 
you have so many white males particularly already in the end zone. It's amazing. You know, sometimes they just stopped moving because they went to the back of the end zone there was nowhere to go. And then it basically got kind of, frankly, darker and darker <laughs> as, as you went further back, especially with, with girls. Yeah. And then at the end, then we would say, okay, everyone look around. And so they look at their, sometimes where their friends are. Exactly. You know, sometimes where their romantic partners are, you know, or just people they, they maybe hated their guts and looked up where they were. Exactly. And there's some empathy there. And then we say, okay, go. So we still have the race. Still got to do it. Like, it, don't stop. Exactly. And so what happens is that you can talk about the questions and then you can talk about what you did when you said go. We've had kids who, especially who were in the back, were so pissed off, mad at us, that they refused to run. Yeah. Then you had kids who were like, well, you know what? I'm in the back, but fuck it. I'm going to pass as many people as I, as, as I possibly can. I might even pull a hamstring doing it, <laughs> but I'm going to do it. And then, then yeah. the other people are like, well, I'll just kind of... I'm pretty close, so I'll just kind of you know. shuffle to the to the end zone, right? So we talk about that, and I think it's the thing we do the last day, the last day of the class. <laughs> and so there's there's a risk of kind of ending on a real downer. It really, yeah, um, it's a big risk. Yes, but uh, but but I think it, it's something that sticks with you because when you see pictorially and visually where your peers are, yeah. It's, no, it was it was a great, great experience, right. and like we can also go really deep into the actual retreat that we went to. Um, but that was it, it. Really was bonding. I mean, they yeah. did like it was some real bonding activities that we did, like ziplining, trusting people. We did that people. stereotype bag thing too. Oh yes. Oh, that was rough. Yeah, that, <laughs> that was rough. Oh, please explain that. I okay. want that out there. Yes, so that was intense. This is a hard one. Yes. I ain't gonna lie. It, it, it was roses and many things, but at the same, we want to have for the retreat that there are two experiences. One is unifying, mm -hmm. which Zwartik just talked about, but there's also, there are divisions. Definitely. And your reality can be one or the other, or a little bit of both, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right? So um, what we did for the stereotype bag activity is we made bags with all the categories of the census. Mm -hmm. So white, black, African-American, uh, Asian-American, Pacific Islander, Native American, uh, American Indian, uh, multiracial Latino yes. Latina right and so kids would sit around and just write down on little scraps of paper all the stereotypes they've ever heard of all these groups so yeah. it takes a while to generate them all like we sit around for a good 20 minutes exactly writing down the most jacked up things we can think of. and and in we, the beginning it's like oh I, yeah. and then it's like all right we got time let, yeah. me, let me let me lean into this yeah one. oh my god oh, yeah you can lean in with them. and you know some of them uh, and so we say like now listen just because someone wrote it doesn't mean they believe it. Yeah. That doesn't matter. No, it But, doesn't. you know, we try to say that, and then what happens is the kids self-identify. So, like, the black kids go take the black bag, and the white kids take the white bag, and so forth. And, and then they sit there in different parts of a very large room, and they have to read out loud every single one. My God. Yeah, even the repeats. You know, so you have to read them out loud just over and over and over again. And then the groups talk about what they heard and how they're feeling and all that kind yeah. of stuff. And then we share out. So then each group has time to kind of speak their experience. And then there's a, a free-for-all yeah, free after that. And that can go very long. Yeah, we were like 2, 1 and 12. It was about about late. midnight. Yeah. yeah. When I was young, it was late. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it, was, it was intense because the repeat you said, um, number one, some groups had a less, less stereotypes about them. Right. Um, and number two, 
you know, the stereotypes, you know, what's it, if someone's calling, you know, like rich, right. white, a politician, all that stuff, right. you know, you know, wealthy, well off. And then the other group stereotypes are like monkey or like sleazeball or like <laughs> savage, you know, savage. It's the, killer. It, it, it gets super. But sometimes there are ones that they've never heard, of, especially the white kids. They, there are some things they never heard of. Like they never heard of like white folks smell like wet dog. Like, you know, oh, yeah. white folks never heard of that. And so they get they're like, they're like wet dog. And then like the, <laughs> when there's like the, the meme, like we got one that says that smells like wet dog. And then the kids are like, oh, you geez. Know, trying not to laugh. You know? It wasn't me. Yeah. Um, so. But yeah, no. Um, and that's it's just all great. And Danny and like, as you can see, uh, Mr. Goddard, he has done quite a bit at Newton. And just like for all students, um, that's really, you know, why I do this, you know, to, you know, acknowledge this kind of goodness that happens in our day to day. So. <laughs> Just, I do this for everybody. Sure. Uh, advice to, uh, right. for number one, advice to students. I know you say you don't like your ninth graders, but advice to early high schoolers. Yeah. Um, and then number two, advice to new teachers. So I think for, for early high schoolers, um, know that you are starting to form the foundation on which you, you're starting to form the foundation of how you view the world. Mm. And I think that, uh, first of all, it all counts. There's always been this myth that ninth grade doesn't count. It, it really, and it know, does. We need to stop that right <laughs> now. I don't, I don't know how right that, that happened, right? And I think also to um, to not be afraid of what you want to do academically. Um, sometimes I think people really run around like chickens with their heads cut off, trying to satisfy what they think the colleges want. Yeah. And oftentimes they're not they're not right about it. You know, I think you should. There's nothing wrong with having a passion. There's nothing wrong with feeding it. Mm -hmm. And uh, but also. You can't get uh, the promise unless you go through the process. And um, you've got to be able to know that it takes work. And that's what's frustrating sometimes about leadership is, you know, we give out these readings and people don't do them. Mm. And it's like, you know, you can't know what you're talking about unless you go through that, pro that process. You know, the process is important. I mean, if it was revealed to you where you would end up at 25, that might look good. You might think to yourself, oh, wait, I'll take that. But what's never know. revealed to you is how you get there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and you yes. might look at, and if that were revealed to you, you might be like, I don't want a piece of that. No, thank but you. But you've got to be able to know that you should leap out and take that prompt. Before process. you give the advice, just a mm -hmm. quick timeout for the early, um, for young teachers. Um, the reading in the class is super important. I, 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 I will take responsibility. I, you know, skipped a few here and there. Okay. But, but. Even when we did like the black, that's mm -hmm. especially where I didn't read. I'm like, I know this. Why do I need to read? Yeah. And then you read the stuff and you're like, holy shit. Right. You know, right. It's like, you it's insane. I, I sure can. Holy <laughs> shit. Yeah, I know. It's right. really bad. Right. It's really, really bad. So uh, yeah, do your reading. Yeah. Please and thank Amen. you. The process. The process right. is important. That's right. Or young teachers. So I think for young teachers is, I think to form your philosophy as early as you can. Um, it's really easy to get caught up in the task, the taskness of what it is to be a teacher and often what happens is you can see this in like a particular lesson they've created this great activity in their mind yes. you know this, this kind of great activity and they care more about whether the activity goes well as to whether <laughs> what the kids are actually going to get at the end of it mm. and i think you really need to kind of have that i also think um to be your own person i think sometimes people feel like i have to be very professional yes. not let them in i think you can let them in without being uh, intrusive exactly i think letting them know about who you are is a wonderful thing because ultimately teaching you're teaching yourself especially in english oh. uh, it's such a personality based thing and i think you should play music play music i think i think that's an important thing i think you know i can't tell you how many relationships i've had with kids who have come in and heard something that i'm playing yes. in the room and then we end up striking up a relationship, then I end up having them later, 
Um, done and done. I mean, when you you know, I play salsa in here. You know, I got all kinds of people coming in, <laughs> you know, just dancing, and then they'll, they'll dance for like a quick thirty seconds and leave, and then I'll see them later, and we'll say, hey, but you, you know, and I I think uh, music is a wonderful thing. I don't understand why more of my colleagues don't do it. Frankly. Yeah, you heard it. Music, it's mm -hmm. the answer. That's how you you make students like you. And I just have to say, <laughs> the difference between walking to a class and liking the teacher, going home to do homework for that teacher, yeah. versus going into a class where either you don't know the teacher yeah. or God forbid you hate yeah. the teacher <laughs> right. forget about it just forget about it um, still, your, still your job to do the work though it, oh, it okay is. all right okay my job <laughs> um, thank you I appreciate it mr. Goddard it was an absolute pleasure sorry for taking this much time hey I'm, I'm having fun awesome I'm having fun That's thank you right. so you guys heard it here do you have any social anything that you want people to go visit like do you have a I don't have any of that mess no I, I wish I wish I did but I, I he said know. he was coming along you're still an old <laughs> hip-hop head it's done I don't have <laughs> snap face or instant <laughs> chat or whatever like Bill Belichick would say you know I love it um Mr. Goddard thank you thank you Thank you very much for listening to the podcast. I really do appreciate it because I believe in this podcast. But the truth is this podcast is nothing without you. So I ask and plead with you to subscribe and subscribe only if you like the podcast, only if you felt like you got something from the podcast. And the only way I will know if you liked or disliked the podcast is if you rate and comment. So please rate and comment away and do so honestly. If you loved it, give me the five stars. If you hated it, give me the zero. Give me the one star and tell me in the comment section what you loved, what you hated, what, what you don't agree with. So I can work and grow and become better for you, for us. So this Cue the Nurse podcast to grow into something special. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Have a good day, good night, enjoy, and come on back tomorrow for some more.